What is up, folks? Uh, this voice you hear may be unfamiliar, but it is I, a Dylan Most Dirty, back from the uh, the dead. No, actually, uh, moved teams recently, but back to help out my friends on the League podcast by co-hosting uh, one of our installments that's going to be about our latest story efforts. As you may recall, I am a story nerd, uh, so for some reason I guess they thought I'd be suitable for this. Alright, so as I was saying, we are back to check in with the story folks, and for that purpose, we have as co-host Jake Pierce, who is a publishing bro like myself, uh, specifically on Foundations, uh, and he has one of the best summoner names at Riot Games. Jake, why don't you share that with us? My summoner name is Love Commander. Man, awesome. That deserves its own podcast oh, someday. I'm sorry, maybe I should say it. Love command. There you go. Thank you. And of course, the experts on the matter. We have Graham McNeil, aka Dino Paws, as you may recall, uh, one of the writers here at Riot. Graham, say hi. Hello. How you doing, guys? Hey. And Rayla Heidi. Did I get it right? You got it right. Yay. Awesome. Gelbug, uh, also one of the writers uh, involved in this project as well. Uh, so, folks, obviously, what we're here to talk about today is uh, the return to the Shadow Isles. So I think that would be my first question, uh, and and maybe you you all can sh uh, shed some insight there. Wh why are we back at the Shadow Isles? Actually, uh, some players out there might be asking, "Hey, didn't we already do Shadow Isles?" Don't yeah. everybody all speak at once. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting to see who might have leapt in first there with a more incisive answer than I'm likely to give. Um, well, Shadow Isles, when we first uh, visited there, some of the champions just we didn't have bandwidth to get to all of them in the time that we wanted to release it so some of them fell by the wayside we decided right well this is our great time to go back there reinvigorate the shadow isles and what with the yorick rework coming out at the same time it felt like how can we best support this well let's go back do all the champions that we missed first time uh, add some more promotional material that we thought really supported yorick and the idea of the shadow isles it brought more interest and ideas of where it came from and delve deeper into the some of the lore that was only touched on in some of the earlier bios okay yeah that makes a lot of sense york is definitely pretty exciting uh as we have seen as we've seen from the player response and I, and I guess now that i think of it the shadow isles didn't quite in their first go around get fleshed out to the fullest extent uh like some of the other one, more recent ones say like shirima have in terms of covering all of the champions so the idea here is oh we were kind of close to it and, and why not finish it off Absolutely. And also we wanted to cover um, some of the other aspects of the Shadow Isles um, to show that not everybody on the Shadow Isles is evil. There are some good things left there still. And a flower. And a flower, <laughs> yes. But we'll get to that. Yes. Yeah. No. In, in the best sort of Pandora's box scenario, the last thing in it is the tiny little grain of hope that maybe something could be done. Of course. Right. It definitely does feel more fleshed out. Now, I've, I've always thought of the Shadow Isles as uh, something projecting outwards and screwing up the rest of the world, uh, but we got a little bit of insight into uh, it screwing up itself as well, in fact. <laughs> uh, some pretty desolate stuff from what we were seeing. Yeah, I think we want to show that the Shadow Isles is not just the harrowing. Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot in, that's interesting about it that we can talk about. Gotcha. And it's also not a stasis place. Things are changing on the Shadow Isles. It's, the ghosts aren't just hanging out and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So on that note, what what is new in the Shadow Isles? What's uh what's what's kind of the cutting edge of what we're exploring with all this? Obviously, we're just you know hitting the champions we missed, but what were the things we were uh, we were really trying to get at? Well, some of that comes from Yorick himself. Like, again, uh, as Rila said, the the idea behind a lot of the aims we're wanting to hit on this is the the idea of, of Paradise Lost. That the Shadow Isles was once a beautiful, glorious place that had such lofty ideals and high ambitions to be 
something incredible in Rune Terror, but it fell. Uh, partly through their own arrogance, partly through the actions of an outsider who came there and corrupted the place. Um, and bringing some aspects to the story, so the Shadows wasn't just a place of evil, there was a place of pathos there that you, you had a more emotional involvement in what had happened and how it had come to be that way. So it was just it was giving, like Israel says, it's not a place of stasis, it's a place where bad things happened, but things can change on there. It's not just, well, that's where the dead things are, that's where the spirits live. There's There's things, plans within plans and motion happening on that island that will have ramifications hopefully later down the line. Sure, that's definitely been one of my favorite things about the these the regions we're hitting in sequence and that really does kind of seem our approach at this point uh, is hitting them in sequence, but specifically that we learn about the past. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of the the regions that are a bit lighter on story at this point uh, in our story development, uh, we have an idea of them now, maybe, but not what they once were, or even much as much where they're going. Uh, and it's so fun to to see other regions get their own histories fleshed out, kind of like what we've seen with Sharima. And then in this case, yeah, it's and it's just it's it's good fodder for making me want to hear more about what was going on back in the day. <laughs> Who was this ruined king? What were the Blessed Isles like? All that kind of stuff. I know in this case, it's really fun because we're getting completely different perspectives. We've got everything from a tree to a to a weird, crazy ghost-seeing monk to uh, to <laughs> some really, really messed up evil dudes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, which is, you know, and all this talk of, oh, it's not just evil, it's not just dark. I mean, there is plenty of evil oh, and yeah. dark there. Let's yeah. not let's Mordecai's forget that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mordekaiser is... He has his own ideas for what he wants the Shadow Elves to to be and what he wants to achieve there, and they are not conducive to the good of all beings on Bruntera, shall we say? Sure. So one thing I'm really curious about is that, uh, and this is this is me reaching into the wayback machine. I believe the Ruin King, the idea of of that figure, has been around in League lore for a long time uh going quite back am i correct on that note yeah that's right it's been around for a while so it it seems like it's kind of been one of those things that that we we decided to keep in that way as we're looking to to move forward and modernize and really flesh things out to the extent that we're working on these days and that have really started to kind of use it as the focal point for for what we're going for uh what, what was it about that? Did the did the the idea just ring as as a really cool one that that seemed like it had the potential for that, or is it is it uh yeah? Can I get some insight into that decision? Yeah, uh, the ruined king is, is as a potentially as it was in the day a throwaway line. You know, plays exactly to something that we've talked about in the podcast before, where always leave hooks in your story. You know, never be too tidy with the backstory. Leave threads unpulled that you can come back to at a later time when you may not. At the time of writing, you might not know what this thing is, but that's fine. You can leave it. When good ideas, better ideas occur to you later on in the writing of something else, when another character pops up, another scenario develops, and you can think, actually, that would make a lot of sense if that was this guy or this person or whatever. And having just little narrative tokens strewn around your backstory is is always just good to have. And as a name in itself, the Ruined King, it's a very evocative title. You think, well, what does that mean? Did did he do the ruining? Was he ruined? <laughs> it, it offers up all sorts of possibilities. And, you know, we've got the Blade of the Ruined King as, as an item. So it's one of these things that it's begging to be told. You know, it's when you've got that good, that baited a hook, why not use it? Sure. That makes a ton of sense. So so changing tack a little bit, and Jake, maybe this is something you can uh, you can talk a little bit about. Uh, I'm sure some players are out there going, hey, this this uh, this Shadow Isle stuff, it's a month early. Why uh, why are we not around Halloween? <laughs> uh, 
and and I think the I think I I have some insight into that, which is that based off what you're talking about, we want to emphasize that the Shadow Isles is is much more than the idea of the harrowing, and in fact that the harrowing isn't even some once a year Halloween s type thing. It's just really the constant of this place, right? Is, yeah. is so was that deliberate in this case? Yeah, so, you know, like I was saying before, we wanted to make sure that this isn't just a place that the heroine comes out of. There's a lot of interesting stories here. There's a lot of interesting characters. Uh, and the heroine doesn't even really have a timetable, right? Like, it's not necessarily tied to Halloween. It's, it happened to have fallen around that time in past years. Believe it or not, not all ghosts have a calendar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is Runeterra's calendar? God, it's, it's all these There's a foundation sheet waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you may remember uh, Shadow and Fortune was the last story we told around the Shadow Isles mm-hmm. as a, a larger one, uh, and that was involved with the harrowing. But, um, you know, there's more that we want to say about it. Sure. Yeah. And you don't want to be bound, I guess, yeah. is the idea. And some, when something becomes something as terrifying as the harrowing becomes a regular event, mm-hmm. it, a, it loses its terror factor. Sure. If you can just say, right, harrowing's coming in about 11, best batten down the hatches. Yeah. <laughs> or tell you what, around this time of year, I, I holiday in Demacia, and then. <laughs> wait for it to pass, then come back again. Sure. Yeah. It loses all sense of fear. The, the, you know, the, what we want to engender uh, people's thoughts about the harrowing in Bilgewater and mm-hmm. beyond is that this could happen at any moment. Every moment, you, every day, every morning you wake up and open the doors and it's the sun shining. Whew, another day without the harrowing. There's no black mist about to eat me. Exactly. Yeah. So every day... Every day should be frightening. Yeah. And it comes down to the presentation, too. You know, obviously figuring out the ideal ways to, uh, and this is something I really want to talk about with this, given the poem, uh, figuring out how to present these stories to players is uh, is a really big challenge because there's the constant battle between depth and accessibility and, and certain players like to consume things this way. And then also just what do they expect out of how we're doing it? Uh, and, and I can imagine that it's probably pretty difficult to set the tone right for a place like the Shadow Isles if it's accompanied by a kitty cat Katarina sale. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's not really the the terrifying tone that we're going for. So, I, I get that. I get that separating in this case uh, can 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 really really get the mood going, right? I guess. Uh, Jake, what has that been like? Actually, I know that you are a a, a more recent uh, uh, member of of this whole story effort. Uh, what's it What's it been like grappling with that task of of having to convey so much story, all of those little details? Oh man, what is the calendar of Runeterra and questions mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, Graham and Rayla can definitely speak a lot about this, but it, it's uh, really focusing on what interesting stories are we seeing pop up and what kind of things are dragging us in. You know, with York coming along, uh, that gave us an opportunity to really explore the Shadow Isles a lot more uh, and really gives us kind of a timetable to say, hey, if we're going to talk about him, why don't we talk about all these others at the same time? And it gives us a better focus, I think. Definitely. So in this case, we did, you know, that first thing that players are going to notice uh, is the epic poem, of course. That's uh, I, w- I don't want to call it a departure for us because we've definitely made a habit, it seems like, of of telling stories through a variety of mediums. I mean, we had a we had a puppet movie show thing one time for <laughs> the for the Shadow. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and super super mind blowing and and really like. The norm is actually that our story efforts look different every time. Yeah. Different uh, is the norm. Yeah. yeah. So is is that is that just with this that you wanted to push the envelope? Did it did an epic poem particularly suggest itself in this case? Shoot, who wrote it? Me. Okay, Graham. I did. Right. <laughs> uh, my first poem. Um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Partly it was it, partly the idea for that came out of something that we had planned for the original hit on the Shadow Isles, because I we. We'd written uh, a kind of definitive in our heads 
this is the Shadow Isles, this is how it all happened, this is what shook out and how things came to be the way they are. But obviously that was uh, a little too literal. It was never something we intended to use other than for ourselves so that we knew exactly what was happening, you know, because that's, that's, that's not an interesting way to present a story to players, just a list of facts. Here's how it happened. So we came up with the idea of doing this kind of epic poem style thing because it was a way to convey that story in an in- hopefully an interesting manner. Partly it came out of my love for uh, an Iron Maiden song called The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, which is an epic, <laughs> epic 15 minute oh, track that, that is a metal rendition of Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner. Yeah. Um, and Somewhere I've, I've, out there, a player just lost his mind. Hopefully, just like hopefully, <laughs> biggest iron. Wearing as long, an iron as, long as I hit, as long as we get one of them, that's, <laughs> we are succeeding. Um, and I've always loved that. The, this, the tale itself, the Rhyme of the Ancient Man, is a great story, and sure. I, it's a, it's a, a morality play, a cautionary tale, a ghost story, a horror story. And I, I wanted to try and recreate an element of that to bring some of those sensibilities to this story, and it would br- allow us to tell the story of the Shadow Isles wrapped in another story you know there's, there's one main narrative and within that story another story is told by the characters so it was a way of conveying the information that we wanted them to know about the shadow isles to give them that knowledge of how it came to be without just saying right well he went here and did that did this done we're finished it was just an, an evocative way of telling it and the you know the added component to that was that we you know decided this would make this would possibly make a really good audio Mm-hmm. So let's see if there's some way we can bring this to the level where we can get it to the players that will hopefully give them the creeps when they listen to it. Yeah, you mentioned, you, uh, I mean, it being so evocative is a really good point. I, and going back to the champion bio examples, it's really easy, I imagine, to just, I, and I know I've, I've, I've done this in consuming fantasy, uh, where, where you just are essentially getting slapped in the face with how horrible something is. Oh, it's terrible, you know, and, and so many so many intense adjectives are being used. But the fun thing about what we do, is, that we're able to do in this case, is it seems like I'm getting it from the perspective of a living tree, how horrible this is. I'm getting it from the perspective of the last living person. I'm getting it from the perspective of the evil guy. And then in this case, I almost got a, a sense of just kind of classical horror coming out of this, this poem, which was the really cool thing. Uh, so just... It feels a lot more fleshed out in that way, I guess. I also uh, like the cultural aspect of the poem, the sense that it's sure. uh, a story within a story, and it kind of highlights the fact that people see the Shadow Isles in different ways, and every every place in Runeterra mm-hmm. has their own idea of what horrors lie waiting on the Shadow Isles for them. Def- yeah, very I mean, much so. I think like every story, you have to keep in mind, narrators can't necessarily be trusted. Yeah. Like, yes. They're <laughs> telling and, it from their point of view. Yes, and the narrator of this particular story is the same narrator from the harrowing video it's the same character the, mm-hmm. the puppet master it's it's the same actor the same mm-hmm. character telling this tale mm-hmm. so again knowing who's telling you this tale you have to wonder a little bit how much of this is truthful how much is exaggeration embellishment how much is intended to just scare the pants off whoever's <laughs> listening to it how much is intended as a warning to them because uh, I, I love the idea that this character was one that, that maybe sometimes he is the guy who draws you into your death without a second thought. Other times he's the guy who offers you the choice. Here's the options. Here's the way you could behave. The temptation is before you. Damn yourself or redeem yourself. Other times he is actively trying to save your soul. 
but you never know quite which one you're dealing with at any particular moment, so be wary of this fellow. Scrape the bench of sunless moss and hearken to this tale of loss. A princess lies below the soil, a king's pride and joy, a beauty divine. Now food for worms, her flesh to dine. Skin once fair, now left to spoil. A princeling came, a suitor fair, to press his cause to wed the heir. The marriage feast like none before was blighted by a deed most foul. A poisoned cup the king did howl. To find a cure, the princeling swore. His ship set sail, crossed oceans deep, with knights all pledged to end death's sleep. Through tempests fierce and unknown miles, drawn by wind from a land undying, the very storm its name seemed sighing, a place men named the Shadow Isles. Right, that's not a uh, foreboding at all for uh, for those of you out there who haven't uh, yet uh, read the. Well, it is out, right? Yeah. Am I losing my mind? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, on, it's on the site with the the Harring video, Callista's video, and uh, Shadow and Fortune, and all the champ bios as well mm-hmm. from the previous time we hit perfect yeah that's uh de- so definitely uh give that a read slash listen uh if you haven't already and that's that's one of the super cool things about it it's weird there's a, a lot there are some players who are gonna see that stuff and be like oh i already saw uh, some of these things although there are obviously a ton of new content for them as well um but there's also players because there are new players all the time there's ones who might have missed that back in the day who are gonna get to see some of that stuff for the first time uh so it's exciting to see so much of it compiled together uh We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more later, uh, just our techniques for all of this and where we're going. But but right now, I'd actually love to just dive into some of the, the new things we've learned about some of these champions. So so let's talk uh, Maokai, because that one just, that that gave me the feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I cannot remember for the life of me what Maokai's old thing used to be. Uh, I know it, it used to be tri- it used to be tied to the Twisted Tree line of all things, uh, which which obviously was a bit restrictive given the way things are these days. Uh uh, was was he always just at home on the Shadow Isles? Was that just the place he had to be and it just worked for him? Or, uh, you know, like, what, what was the beginning of, of how Maokai got to where he is? He's been on the Shadow Isles for a while. I think there was an update about a year and a half ago oh, okay, where gotcha. we moved him from Twisted Tree Line to the Shadow Isles. Okay. Um, it made sense for him because he's kind of this haunted tree figure. Um, he's always been a really powerful tree spirit, mm-hmm. um, even from his inception in the Shadow Isles. Um, but what we wanted to do with this update was um, highlight his backstory, show why the Shadow Isles is such an important place to him before it even becomes the Shadow Isles um, and kind of show that journey and show the tragedy of all of that falling apart. Yeah, no kidding. One thing I was curious about is, is he the, is he the kind of nature spirit of the Shadow Isles? Is it it more like a uh, situation? There are other nature spirits there too, um, but he's definitely the oldest one. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. What I found interesting was that, you know, as that flower bloomed there, uh, it seemed like the the whites and the spirits there, they kind of home, honed in on that uh, and that source of life. Is that something that Maokai is kind of able to hide and slip under? Because he, of course, has lived there for very long since uh, the cataclysmic event. Uh, so is he kind of able to avoid their yeah, detection? He's kind of a special case, we'll mm. call him. Um, he exists only because the waters of life um, live within him. So before the ruination happened, he was able to essentially suck in all the waters that he could 
Um, and that's what kept him alive during all of this uh, crazy ruination stuff. So he still has a little bit of himself alive, mm-hmm. but his outer bark has been twisted and corrupted and yeah. was not totally saved. So his his identity has transformed absolutely from his original shape. It's sad. Uh, I mean, and that whole ravening nature of how the shadow walls are these days, that's that's something I consistently got from all these different stories uh, reading through here. That is freaky, man. Uh, yeah. I, and and. and you know, the best thing about the the new Maokai story is it's got that same thing that so many other ones have done, like some of the Mount Targon uh, ones. Uh, I remember this especially, where it makes me want to go play them. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play them and be like, I am the defender. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, such a, I'm such a freaking nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you're in good company. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was that was obviously one of one of the really cool ones, but, that, but not alone. Uh, Elise is an interesting one because, you know, she gets made... Let's be honest, we were making a spider lady when we made her. It's cool. It's a cool champion to have and everything. And so you've got the challenge of fitting that into the, the story in a cohesive way. Uh, and the, and the, 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 the way we did it is pretty interesting. You know, we've had some interesting times with those like cross-faction, cra- cross-region champions in the past. So it's it's intriguing to see that we went with that in this case. Um, I suppose it's required just because the Shadow Isles are so crazy messed up that it's kind of hard to justify anybody living there. Mm. Um, but can I, can we get some insight into how you how you incorporated Elise into this situation? Well, Elise uh, was one that I looked at and thought that she was one that could play to that kind of vampiric aspect of the monstrous aspect of a vampire not the you know the white cravat silk tie wearing dracula type but a a more animalistic monstrous vampire that sucked life out of people and the idea of having this crazy shut-in stuck in noxus who this (laughs) mad woman at the end of the street kind of idea that Everybody thinks, is, is there anybody living in that street? No, no, there's nobody living there, but don't go down there because people who go down that street don't ever come back again. <laughs> there's something something living up in the tower there. And that, that, felt, that felt like a really interesting hook for stories to be, take place in Noxus, but also gave us a way of tying in elements of things like the Black Rose, uh, why she went to the Shadow Isles, what she does there. And it's just a, a cool archetype to have that sort of seductive siren then to be revealed as this horrific monstrosity you know it's like the like in the, the shining when jack nicholson pulls back the shower curtain and she's this the old the, the crazy old ladies there or finding this thing that has brought you in and suddenly my god it's a monster and that that moment of terror that you have and certainly in, in the color text you know we played that to the hilt where yeah. these people are walking willingly you know lambs to the slaughter into this cave thinking they're going to this wonderful future or that this woman loves me she's brought me to this amazing place then that's suddenly reversed when you realize just how awful she actually is how terrifying a fate she's brought you to spoiler it goes badly for them does Um, not end well (laughs) i think my favorite part of her story though was the whole the whole really intense stuff with her husband and then at the end and then right at the end there there was the you know of course this being noxus uh everybody was uh, happy with what she did (laughs) (laughs) again any chance we get within the bios to highlight an aspect of a culture or a faction every every bio should tell up first and foremost is about that champion Mm -hmm. it highlights what's cool about them, why you want to play them, the emotional beats that got them to where they are now. But it can also and should also, every opportunity, allow us to build the world, allow us to add texture to the world. So, yeah, we learn all about Elise 
in this. We learn all about Malachi and his bio, but we also learn something of where they come from, the, the, the worlds and the places and the people that shape them, because that helps build that connective tissue between places, people, and the world that makes it feel more real. Gotcha. So, so I definitely have some red shirt guy questions uh, on on the topic of Elise. Uh, specifically, I'm curious about the the the, the crazy intense spider god figure she encounters. Uh, first of all, is are are we dealing with something that just kind of happened uh, by you know by happenstance, or or was this a case of of a of a kind of uh, being chosen essentially, uh, and 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 the figure that that enacted this transformation, you know, making this whole thing happen. There were certainly elements that I wanted to seed into that story gotcha. that perhaps the, the the cult leader of the Black Rose uh, had something to do with it, that maybe okay. she had seen something in Elise that she could then use. Uh, also, that perhaps this was something, you know, foreordained, what have you, but leaving it open as to which it was, or maybe just Elise was the right person at the right time or gotcha. the wrong person at the wrong time. Yeah. My personal take on it is that she was groomed for that role by okay. the, the pale woman yeah that was that was definitely some of the sense i got very interesting uh definitely want to know more about that uh and then the other one was this spider god figure uh how it uh ties into the larger insanity that is the shadow wilds uh, i get the sense that it's not necessarily a living thing so which is why it doesn't have anything to worry about uh but are you able to shed any light on that and how it ties into the larger like I said, insanity. <laughs> well, the, the spider god thing is, I don't see it as being, as you say, a living creature on the Shadow Isles. And, mm. and even if it was, it has power enough that sure. any of the spirits who dared come near it, it could probably destroy. So the spirits now probably wisely <laughs> give it a wide bear. Don't mess with the giant don't spider god. Don't mess with the giant okay. 50 foot tall okay. spider. Right. Is just good advice for anyone, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but that... The spider god isn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a creature that squats in the cave, that maybe that's just an aspect of it where it's squeezing through into this world, that that's possibly the place where it's most obviously mm -hmm. visible or, you know, has presence. There could be others, but this is certainly, a, it's a place where it has managed to find a place to ooze its bulk into the world most prominently. Now, Elise also brings back some artifacts uh, from the Shadow Isles. Oh, yeah. Uh, that interesting dagger that had some sort of power. Uh, is that something where the Blessed Isles was kind of known for the kind of thing where they would make these kind of weapons, or is that an effect of the Shadow Isles and the uh, cataclysmic event? Um, so the people on the Blessed Isles before the ruination happened um, were kind of academics, um, but they were also collectors. So anytime they found an interesting or powerful object, they would like to take it back to their vast library of magical, crazy things. Um, so I imagine the dagger is probably one of those things that they collected that gotcha. is now just sitting there um, with no one using it. Interesting. Yeah, when the when the ruination happened, all the all the vaults are broken open, the buildings toppled, and all that the, the scholars archived everything from the galleries the museums the twisted tr uh, treasure vaults were broken open and that, that's, that's one of the reasons why treasure hunters or foolhardy adventurers might think to set sail for the shadow elves for the the riches and the magical things said to be scattered out the ruins Talk about the Darwin Awards, man. That's, I'm not going to make that mistake twice. High <laughs> reward. What is the Runeterra version of that? Yeah. Yeah. Does, uh, does that make at least the only, I'm putting up air quotes here for people who can't see, human to have ever made it to the Shadow Isles and back out? 
that we know of at least that potential that we know of that we know of I mean and she had she had help in the sense of she was she was given you know a a free pass to get through certainly not unscathed no no definitely not so she's one of the few that has a symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. with with something on the Shadow Isles though I would say that Interesting. Yeah, that one is definitely uh, interesting. Uh, I guess so, York has that too. Uh, so getting getting to uh, getting to the one that I'm sure I'm sure excited uh, some some players out there. You know, Mordecai has been an in- interesting champion for a long time. Certainly seen his share of gameplay upheaval. Uh, what exactly he is, the master of metal, and and it's kind of drifted around a ton. Yeah, yep. Graham throwing the uh, the metal <laughs> sign. Here you go. <laughs> Rack. Uh, uh, it's really interesting to see. That I feel like we recaptured a like a really good badass niche for him. <laughs> mm. I uh, I and it was the thing that really got me is the scope of his story. Uh, we we really have I know been generally trying to flesh out that Rune Terra is an old place. Obviously, there's a lot of history here, a lot of it very murky. It, it, there was a definite point in his story where I was like, okay, now we're going to get to the present day. And it was like, no, actually, that's still back in the day. That's just a later ancient epic as well. Yeah. Uh, so what, what inspires you to go with such a, such a crazy old tale with this guy? Well, Mordekaiser has the potential to be like the Runeterran bad guy. You know, he's the, the, mm-hmm. the potentially the master. I mean, he was for a long time master of the known world yeah that i mean that was a key thing he was he was on valoran back in the mm-hmm. day when he was you know and he looked something more like you know human scion barbarian giant axe i met or giant mace i met yeah, giant mace man <laughs> yeah and, and you know and now he's got barbarians squatting in his old house yeah um plus his his mace has a name now <laughs> yes it does right. I, I think that was new right nightfall did that already exist? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was you. That was, we'd have to ask Anton Oz about yeah. that one. I'm somebody out there screaming but, the answer into their headphones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, having that having that scale, it was, it was that kind of the, the Sauron-esque mm-hmm. vibe to yeah, him. Yeah, definitely that got that vibe. He's been around for longer than anyone else. Very hard to kill guys. Laughing Very in the face of him being about to be killed. Every time you think you've got him, yeah. he's got his backup plan ready for the next incarnation. Mm-hmm. And... The, the thing that's interesting to me about Mordekaiser is that despite all this huge longevity and a span of millennia and so on, Mordekaiser probably doesn't want to be undead. You know, his his ambition was to rule the world back mm-hmm. in the day. You know, he he wanted to rule it as as a human, as an immortal human. But at the moment, he's not that. He's immortal, but he's not human anymore. Yeah. So there's a there's a real push and pull within his psyche of the madness of having existed for so long and being dead and back alive, not so to speak, and the fact that he isn't he hasn't got what he wanted. Sure. And he's trapped now on this godforsaken island with nothing but the dead for companions. I like that that's his one biggest weakness too, is that he really just wants to be human. Huh. And if he ever succeeded in becoming human again there would be probably a moment before he became an immortal human where he would be killable yeah because if you know if at the moment he is yeah he's essentially he's immortal and more or less invulnerable the minute he if he was ever to become mortal again Mm. might there be a moment when he could be vulnerable well i don't feel sorry for him no certainly not but uh that's definitely interesting. So there was a pretty pretty clear uh, call out at the end of his uh, at the end of his story. I remember uh, towards Noxus that he specifically got his eye on them. You know, obviously he wants to take over everything. Uh, the ambition knows no bounds. What is it about Noxus that he's so interested in? 
Referring back to the, the, the smelly barbarian squatting in his house. Yeah. <laughs> okay. the, the immortal bastion, the capital, the, 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 the fortress at the heart of the sprawling Noxian capital of Noxus uh-huh. is his old oh, fortress. Okay, all right. And Should have put that one together. They, they, <laughs> they kicked him out of that. The, the Noxian, the proto Noxians, oh, their alliance of tribes okay. defeated. Not uh, Mordekaiser and threw him out. Gotcha. He was the original. Noxian. He was the original. I, I believe we call that a shit list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're top. They're top. So yeah, he wants he wants Valoran the world because you know yeah. ambition. Um, but yeah, the Noxians were the, basically the first to beat him. Okay, that's awesome. I'm excited to see that. That and, and I think some of that comes. Uh, the, one of the cool things about that as as when you talk about the wider fleshing out of the universe is I know we've been, we've tried very hard to get away from Demacia good, Noxian bad, yes. uh, or Noxian bad. So. Uh, and, and I, I, one of the obvious ways to, uh, one of the, the many ways to do that is, is in this case, obviously if you've got two bad guys fighting, you know, then, then that so, makes it a little more complicated. Indeed. And then the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Could, could uh, we see a moment where, Darius and Garen are fighting the battle lines against Mordekaiser. I think everybody wants to see that. You know, yeah. just like I'm imagining a, a cinematic of some time and they're they're just wailing on each other and, and then all of a sudden Mordekaiser shows up and they just look at each other and like bro fist and, and charge. <laughs> and cut, cut scene. Yes, I accept, uh, I accept director jobs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, to keep on at that point, I, I love the idea speaking to the the idea of you know noxians are not the bad guys all the mm-hmm. time they can be you know depending what end of the sword you're at um but i love the idea of that that there can be and should be nox heroes of legend who are from noxus they were the first ones to cast down the the great warlord to defeat the evil necromancer well that was the surely the shining heroes of heroicness no it was the noxian guys they did it oh so they're not always bad sure no I mean, shoot! It probably even explains a little bit why they're uh, why they tend to be a rather nasty sorts. It, it sounds like putting down Mordekaiser took took some serious work and a, a lot of killing and re-killing, and so uh, that probably makes the people pretty uh, pretty embittered and tough. <laughs> yes, uh, and w- when you know you're 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 building an empire in the ashes of a former warlord that has been riven by war and battle, you know you're you're not inheriting a land rich in fertile ground, sure. you know, rich in resources. Conquest is really the only way forward for you. Okay. All right. Fleshing things out. Okay. So, so of course, last we have York, who's totally gotten his own other treatment, uh, you know, as part of his champion update. Uh, we've done another podcast for him as well, specifically. Um, but obviously, is, is kind of a central, you know, part of this story. Uh, I, I believe is is the only living guy on the Shadow Isles, right? Like that. Yes, kind of. Unless you count Maokai. Yes. Okay, yeah. sure. Kind He's of not alive. a guy so okay. much as yes. a tree spirit. Kind of alive. Yes. It's, it's indetermined. Yeah. Yes. His his task certainly seems an intense one. Uh, thousands of years on the Shadow Isles or something like that is the impression I'm getting. Doesn't even really know what's going on and kind of keeps sending out yes. dead scouts that, yeah, his, that his, don't come back. <laughs> his his yeah. mind has kind of slipped its moorings a little bit. It seems yes. rough, but, but definitely a figure for kind of good, it yeah. seems. Yeah. Uh, he has to use the power of evil in order to do good. Uh, so Which I know, always ends well. Always ends well. <laughs> <laughs> always, Happy always, ending. <laughs> Shadow Isles. Uh, Maokai and York as kind of the two not totally evil people on the island. Is there ever a world where they meet up and perhaps That's my dream. I would love to see a buddy cop movie where Yorick and Maokai meet up to destroy the Shadow Eyes once and for all. Um, but I'm not sure if they will. They have very different ideas about sure. how to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Maokai would approve of all of Yorick's little ghosty friends. 
I mean, we've at the same time we 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 saw with the the Shreem effort uh, that really cool story. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, the short story, Bloodline. Bloodline. yeah, the one where Nassis gets beat near to death. Um, that one, uh, yeah, you guys should go read that if you haven't. By the way, out there, um, yes, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I hear the I hear the author is just this real uh, this real uh, total hack. <laughs> no, but uh, I we saw with that, uh, you know, you you have the idea of okay, these champions are crazy different. They're from all over the world. How do they come together and everything? And and that was a story where I believed it and it seemed plausible and it seemed it seemed workable that these characters coming from totally different backgrounds and motivations would come together. So I can definitely still see uh, one day York and Maokai again doing the bro fist thing like I talked about. Right. Days and you have to get over their differences first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure That's act two. I'm sure Maokai <laughs> just swings a little wildly when he sees anything. Yes. Uh, and York is, you know, as we talked about, just a little loco, so he might have some issues even understanding what's going on. That's right. Uh, anyway, let's let's not talk about Tim too much. That's obviously the Champ Up team's work. He's got a lot of his own coverage. Um, so, I mean, at that point, uh, I, it's that usual question that I, that I ask of you folks when we do these, which is, you know, obviously you can't talk about what's coming next or anything uh, specifically, but just where we are these days in terms of checking in. Obviously, the task is is really monumental um, uh, in terms of just getting League's story up to date before we can move forward. Um, but that is kind of the, the, the thing that does seem to be happening is over time, like we're really knocking out some factions, you know, feel really up to date on Shirima, Shadow Elves at this point, Bilgewater uh, to the same extent. Targon. Is, yeah. Oh, Targon. I'm, I'm completely. So so four four of those uh, seem really flush out to the standard. Is that kind of the plan at this point to to kind of knock them all out, get them established, essentially? Uh, is, is that kind of what we're going to be doing over the coming months and years? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting to see how the characters work together. Mm -hmm. And when you tackle factions more all together at once, it gives you the opportunity to tell stories with each other instead of just one-offs. Sure. Yeah, and, you know, to talk to your earlier point as well as that, I mean, players love seeing champions interacting in stories. And, you know, part of, you know, the mission of Foundations is to, to start, is to keep bringing our world to life, is to developing to develop rather its its cultures, its factions, its people, uh, because that is what will bring any setting to life is the characters that inhabit it. You know, from you know the the, the majestic kingly level champions all the way down to characters who are not champions, who are you know the the, the man on the street, so to speak. Because that's that's often where you learn the most of a setting. Because the you know the the epic level champions don't interact with the world the way the majority of the people do. So telling stories that have champions in them is awesome, but it's also great to see them interacting with, you know, the, the people who are not champions because that's often where the, the real grit and reality of a world can be fleshed out. So, yeah, we'll, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of, of that kind of storytelling effort. Super excited for that. I know that was one of my favorite parts of Bloodline is, oh, man, there's regular people who live here. Um, or and... regular flowers in Maokai's case. <laughs> and regular ghosts in York's case. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so definitely excited to see just... You know what? What is the what is the life of the average Rune Terran uh, uh, through some of the other through, uh, through some of the other stories we're going to be telling? Nasty, short, and brutal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, totally not promises. Just curious. Uh, uh, what are like? What do you? What are your dream? Uh, dream parts of the world to talk about? 
Uh, what are the ones you're most excited to get into in the future? Um, well, while we're on the topic of the Shadow Isles, um, I'm curious to see how things are changing there. Um, as we've seen in Maokai's bio, okay. something has grown here that has not grown in a very, very long time. So you There's... haven't had enough yet of the Shadow Isles. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. She's a very dark person. She sounds, she sounds sweet, but she's seriously <laughs> messed up is what we're getting. <laughs> I like to write a lot of monster characters. <laughs> so it's the perfect place for you. Okay. Exactly. Got you. What about you, Graham? Um... I've always had a hankering to see what's going on in Piltover and Zon. Sure. Because I think there's a lot of interesting things that could be happening there. And tech tech, chem tech, and the sheer volume of characters that we've got there that could easily cross paths because they all live in oh, yeah. you know, the, the one city on top of the other. I think that's a, a setting ripe for storytelling. That is a that is a ton of characters indeed. And and it's it's kind of the fun thing is is League of Legends throughout originally a ton of different ideas through all of the characters um and and perhaps nowhere more than with with piltover and zon you know you got things like blitzcrank a giant robot and then and then uh and then corky i don't know exactly what his deal is but he's got a plane somehow you know so there, there are gonna be some interesting challenges to negotiate like we've had with all the other regions but i know i've been continually surprised uh at your folks ability to kind of modernize those things and, and bring them up to date and and smooth things over where we need and, and then bringing out some of the best new traits so because because that faction, those two factions rather, are, are such outliers in terms yeah. of the general scope of what a fantasy world as we have set yeah. up in a lot of places so far is. So I think the challenge and the fun of that is going to be reconciling how this space could work in a world like Valoran. Yeah, they definitely do touch on on some of the the more unique things uh, that I've always felt are, are part of, of League Lore. So. Very much so. Yeah. Well, well, now you've got me excited for this this dream one day. Thanks, Graham. No problem. Gosh, that's <laughs> what I'm here for. Oh, okay, all right. I I think uh, I think we uh, I think we're about done for the for for now. So uh, want to appreciate or want to say I appreciate all you uh, you coming out to talk with us about this. I know you're uh, you're sitting there hunched over your desk, feverishly writing by candlelight. I'm sure chained um, by the ankles to chairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did uh, Jake? Why did we let them out? <laughs> you got to get back to good work. Behavior. More, yeah. more, good more, behavior. Good <laughs> behavior. More, more, more bios to write. Mush. <laughs> mush. Uh, but no, seriously. Uh, I I know I appreciate a lot. I'm sure the players out there do. So uh, thanks for taking the time and. Yeah. Uh, Thank uh, you. Yeah. Thanks so, for listening. Absolutely. So to all your players out there, thanks for tuning in uh, for this installment. And uh, can't wait to uh, to come back for another uh, uh, guest star thing at, at some point on all these. Hopefully for some more story chats. Uh, until then, take care. Great. Bye. Thank you. See Bye. You.